0: Welcome to Inside Carolina On The Beat Live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Ross Martin. That's John Bowman producing us. We are live on Inside Carolina's YouTube. Like I said, uh, make sure you have it ready to go. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. You can get the podcast. You can subscribe to that. But if you want this live content, it's on the YouTube channel when we go live. And it's not always going to be Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock, but it's going to be pretty close on this show. Um, Who knows what we might start doing later on. We're sponsored by Johnny T shirt, johnnyt shirt.com. Ross Martin, since you beat Greg Barnes in here, um, we, we got the news that Greg Barnes was uh, leaving the beat, and then we invite him on the beat, and he's late to on the beat. So, might be something to look forward to. But I'll start with you with the question Carolina football is the hype real this year from what you've seen the first week from Saturday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday? What sense did you get around that program when you were there? In what, hype, what hype is there? None nationally.
1: Yeah. So, it can't be it can't be any real hype. How can I process the the hype if there is none? I think – I mean, we talked about this on the last show. Um, I think they're flying underneath the radar. I think there's a lot of positives. It's really hard to, to tell right now. Um, I think they have a lot of talent on defense, and I'm just waiting for that quarterback to see what that quarterback can do with pads on when it's full – full go i know that's not the best answer but um i think they have a lot of weapons on defense i'm excited about that side of the ball just talking to like javari ritzy and chris collins like they look the part miles murphy looks the part and, and that defense i know every time we talk about how deep the defensive line is but i think they have some real players in there if they can get pho back and healthy and roll in a solid two deep i don't think they can go three deep but a solid two deep with some real talented players you're bringing in a a four-star for a four-star, uh, you know, a, a four-star for a five-star looks really good. Um, but uh, and I think I think the secondary is a little bit of an area of concern for me. Now, look, I've, I haven't seen them in a scrimmage. I've, I mean, I haven't seen them really do much, but that's the area that I think was an issue last year. And so you kind of enter with a little nervousness about that secondary. Hopefully, Charlton Ward can get it fixed. Um, but, you know, at safety, there's just not a player that kind of jumps out to me. I think it's a lot of yet-to-be-proven guys like Geo Biggers and Cam Kelly who um, have been blamed for a lot of the issues in the past and have a chance now to kind of step up into some leadership roles. So I think a lot of it depends on quarterback, uh, but the defense I think um, can be a strength for this team under Gene Chizik.
0: Is is the secondary issues purely injury issues, or is there a talent deficiency back there too as, as well? I
1: think well, they're missing Ja'Courius Conley. Uh, you know, I think when you see that name and, and see what he looks like um, – that fixes a lot of things, but like I don't, I don't know if they're gonna be good or bad. I mean, you, you think Tony Grimes and Storm Duck and Legend Cavazos, um will be, uh will be talented on the outside? I just is, the two safeties don't jump out to me, but who knows? I mean, we've seen some good things, we see some bad things, and usually they get blamed for a lot of the issues. Um, just like when O line messes up, a lot of the defensive secondary gets blamed for a lot of issues as well. So um, I just think I think it's hard to tell right now. So it's hard to kind of really buy into to any
0: hype or, or not. I guess we'll see how good Charlton Warren is. Um, you know, I read something and we've seen Conley's pop on the message board saying maybe Notre Dame when he's fully healthy and ready to go. So that'll certainly help. Um, but you're right. They're going to have to got, have guys that can step in and play and do something because I've heard you mention Geo Biggers a lot. But Biggers, didn't he get hurt in the bowl game and have surgery in the offseason? So he's another guy. Um, That's had some issues. Uh, Let's be honest. And Greg Barnes has joined the show. Greg, we we started rolling without you. So I'm going to get you right in here talking about the secondary issues and the troubles and the concerns there. uh, This is where that defensive line can make that secondary look a hell of a lot better um, than it is. And it has been. Um, So chicken or the egg defensive line needs to step up or the secondary needs to be better.
2: Well, let's start with the the secondary. Yes, they've got to be a lot better. Um, I think everybody remembers in the Notre Dame game when when Jason Staples highlighted the fact that that Tony Grimes made a business decision uh, and and deciding not to go all out after, I guess it was uh, Karen Williams when he was breaking off that 90-yard touchdown run. Uh, We saw a little bit of that kind of throughout the season. And, yes, they dealt with injuries and, and those types of things, but that group just had to play better. And we all know what happened at the end of the state game. I mean, you can blame the defensive line all you want, but poor communication led to uh, uh, running free in the secondary for, a, what, a 60-yard touchdown. That was state's first score and gave them life. Um, So they have to get better. And the little bit that we've seen in Charlton Warren so far, uh, he he is crazy technical. And he's not putting up with those guys slacking off. I mean, he jumped all over one of the younger guys for for not executing a uh, a drill properly the other day. I mean, got all over him. Which you, Jay Bateman is a little bit different in terms of how he handled things. He, he liked to yell too, but um, you know, I saw something on the on Twitter the other day that that made me laugh. I think it was Andy Staples, and he made the point of. Uh, yeah, you know, all these new schools have or all these schools have new strength and conditioning coaches, and oddly enough, every single one of them is bringing more toughness and more versatility, <laughs> and uh, you're really emphasizing hitting the weights and getting better in terms of flexibility. You know, they know so much more than their predecessor, right? And I think we we are all susceptible to a little bit of that—the new shiny thing. But having said that, I think Warren's track record speaks for himself. So um, the safeties and the secondary as a whole have to get better. Now, will the defensive line, provided that group takes a significant step forward, make the entire defense look a lot better? Yes. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, the same thing holds true on the, the offensive side of the ball. If your offensive line and your defensive line are really good, you have to pretty much suck at other positions not to field a quality product. that's just kind of the facts of the matter. But when you've got really good defensive linemen like North Carolina had back in the late 90s, it allows a redshirt freshman like Dre Bly to become this national star. Um, And Dre is good, no doubt about it. But he really benefited from having some guys up front that were excellent.
1: I think it's important to note that I think a lot of people still don't grasp this, that Charlton Warren's coaching the entire secondary, and Dre Bly is underneath him as a cornerback's coach. So there's a little bit different and kind of unique hierarchy there, where usually you have either one secondary coach or a cornerbacks coach and a safeties coach. This year, it's Coach Warren coaching the whole secondary, and then Bly is kind of handling just the the cornerbacks. I'm not sure if we talked about this last week, but um, so it, it's Warren running the show with, with Dre in a, in a way, his like kind of personal assistant in charge of uh, cornerbacks, and of course, Charlton Warren is like the co-defensive coordinator right alongside Gene Chizik and has a role in everything that Chiswick does in terms of game planning. Uh, he's very involved in the defense. He was a defense coordinator at Indiana. He's been around. So I, I agree with Greg that I mean, he's the man that you look to to get that thing fixed. And, and you know, sometimes it's not all schemes. Sometimes it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. So we'll see. And that would be definitely, I think, a concern. But on the defensive lineman, I think just looking at make like Des Evans looks different. Chris Collins looks big. There's a front-page article we ran, you know, last night, today, Chris Collins looks looks a lot different physically, and, and then Javari Rizzi and and uh, Miles Murphy, Rainville Hasek. I mean, they have the bodies. Aren't. People love Caiman Rucker, and he's kind of part of that too deep. He's behind Des Evans in a way. Um, and then Noah Taylor's been a guy coming in the spring that that's been a been a hot name as well. So um, i just waiting to see a, a, a defensive line that could really get after the quarterback. And, and like Greg said, that will really affect how good the secondary can be. Um, I think they have the guys that can do that.
2: Yeah, I think. We're I wanna... uh... I think Ross's point, John, is really, uh, really poignant there in terms of, Charlton Warren is really overseeing the secondary. And we, we watched. I watched probably a ten minute stretch of drills for the secondary the other day, specifically the cornerbacks. And Dre was working with those guys on you're really winning the junction point, which is when you when a wide receiver comes out of a stance, he at some point is going to make a cut. It's going to be a double move. It's going to be a dig. It's going to be out, whatever it may be. That's where a route is won or lost. And so he was really you talking about you can't get back on your heels because the advantage is all the wide receiver. Five minutes later, Warren is really talking about the guys with hand technique in terms of when you're doing press coverage, how do you want to be stepping? How do you want to use your hands and all these kind of things? So same players but different coaches. And I think Where that comes from is if you go back to 2015 when Gene Chiswick came in the first time, he oversaw the defense as a whole. He didn't have a specific position group. And one of the things I find interesting is when the NCAA added that 10th assistant coach a number of years ago, one of the reasons they did that, because there was a lot of conversation about, hey, we actually need a guy just to just to coach special teams because you've got four different teams. That's a lot of responsibility. But what we have seen. And this is not true everywhere, but Carolina is. Is that hasn't happened? There hasn't been just a guy that solely coaches special teams. You, know, Larry Porter, coaches running backs, but he's also the special teams coordinator. And what that has done is that has allowed some of this. Where you've got, you know, of course, Phil Longo coaches quarterbacks, but he's overseeing the entire offense. Gene Chiswick's overseeing the entire defense without coaching a position. And then above them, of course, you've got Mac Brown. So it's much more of a hierarchical uh situation with staffing than, than we've seen before
3: i want to bring in our first listener question here because i think it's a good one from uh, t slagle our one of our favorite commenters here what has popped or what stood out to you in the first few days of practice just so everyone knows unc had an open practice on saturday as well as i believe one more practice uh, on thursday uh, a few days ago so Ross and Greg, you guys being there, what kind of stood out to you uh, watching this edition of the Tar Heel football team uh, from what you saw?
1: Yeah, I'll be quick here a little, you know, rapid fire, get this podcast cooking here. I'll go Andre Green. I think Andre Green is going to be a hot name uh, all, of, all of camp, you know, six foot, two, three, looks apart, uh had a, had a big catch in the open scrimmage on Saturday. I um, mean, I think he has a chance to really fight for for snaps uh, as UNC's number three or four receiver. Um, and he he is going to push some of those sophomores and juniors for reps. And I think he's going to be a superstar. The mentality there. The physical traits are there. He's a freak athlete. Uh, so Andre Green is a guy that I think deserves a little notice here early on for camp. Greg?
2: Defensive line. Um, yeah, for the second year in a row, they looked the part. A bunch of four- and five-star guys, big bodies, as Mike, Mike Brown likes to say, they look good stepping off the bus. Um, but when you start counting the guys and you go from Miles Murphy to Raymond Vahasek to KJ Binkley, uh, Kidrick Binkley Jones, to Keyshawn Silver to Javari Ritzy, uh,
0: Kevin Travis Hester. Hall,
2: Kevin Hester. I mean, it's just body after body. And for the first time in a long time, it's like, wait a minute, how how is this guy going to play? He might be four string and he's a four star. We haven't had those conversations since the Bush Davis days. So uh, that group has to step up, but they, I mean, they are big body kids. It's, it's crazy to see how uh, big some of those guys and, are.
1: And this is why I always tell Don Callahan on the recruiting scoop, like add up defensive alignment because you're going to, is there if they're big and athletic, one of them's going to hit. You know, if, if one of them, you know, you might have two or three that are bust, but if you have enough of them, so one of those guys is gonna gonna be good. So you name all those names, and you know some may not be live up to their recruiting um, ranking, but some of them will. And so that's why I think you just load up on defensive linemen because they get hurt, but and um, and some bust. But if you have enough of them, you're gonna have some that hit. And, and you saw it with like with, with Miles Murphy, KJ Binkley Jones was ranked higher, I think, than Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy's the one who's kind of kind of stepped into a more prominent role because of Binkley's injury. So um, that's just you load up on those bodies.
0: Yeah, and Greg, but didn't we have the same discussion last year talking about, oh, they got ten guys over two eighty on defensive line?
2: Yeah, and what did what did Jay Bateman tell us in spring before last year? He's going to play all ten of them, right?
0: Yeah,
2: Um, (laughs) and that didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean. We talked last year. One of the one of the conversations last year and I got You don't here.
0: have to measure your words anymore. Right?
2: <laughs> I don't. I can rip off the band aids right? Um, yeah,
1: that's your chance to get real loose. Sure. <laughs> as
2: soon as as soon as the defense started to struggle, the conversation went from oh, this all oh, this talent to wait a minute, they're just young guys. Now wait a minute. Either they have a crap load of talent or they don't. And they do. There was incredible amount of talent last year, and they didn't coach them up well enough. I mean, let's, let's be honest. That's what happened. Uh, Mac Brown has, has owned that this offseason. That team should not have been six and seven. Um, so, can Gene Chiswick get the defense in order to where they play up to their ranking? Um, I, we're done having the conversation. I am done having the conversation. Are they experienced enough, even though they're talented? Yes, they're old enough, there's enough talent. It has nothing to do with talent. And it's all about coaching and making sure the guys play up to their capability. And if that happens, this defense should be pretty good.
1: And they had no one. They had two transfers leave: um, Clyde Pender and another guy that escapes my name. He was in the same class as KJ Varner. Hester, Christian Varner. Yeah. But no one left. Like Ray Hasek came back. They gave you a boost when when Vahacek decided to come back. So you really lost no one from the the two deep or however you want to say it. So everyone's back. So that's a points to, to, to Greg's point that, you know, they've all played a good amount last season and the season before. Um, and, oh, I think I – mean, I heard this on on your pod, Tommy, with with Jason Staples. If the defensive line can't take the next step this year, you start have to look in, at the position coach in that room. If they can't take the, uh, can't take the jump there. I think that was a, a valid point. You know, you can't just – these guys aren't getting better. You have to start, you know, kind of looking in the mirror.
0: Yeah, Staples was pretty hardcore on that. And he said, you know, somebody needs to get fired if they're not su- su- sufficiently better or, or definitely better. Yeah. And I agree with him. I mean, to y'all's point, they got guys walking around, they're all airport team. That's what Vital would call it. You know, look great in that setting. But yeah, I think the games for this team are won on that defensive line. I mean they make up for a ton of stuff. They have some good linebackers. People keep asking about the defensive backs. We've talked about them a little back a little bit, but if the defensive line are studs, then Carolina can win games. Look 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 at, at Clemson's defensive backs. Remember when Diami Brown roasted the Clemson guy? And the dude was a number one draft pick. And he looked average because Clemson couldn't get any pressure on Sam Howell in that ballgame and on that play. So even the best will look average and Carolina by no means has elite defensive backs back there right now so I think it's on the defensive line to do it let me ask another question and and Gregory Hall man he loves us he's kind of he can't get away so I'll bounce around and let's talk about another uh you know Buck Sanders has been writing about it the running back room is absolutely stacked with talent uh proven talent no we can talk about British books however we want but Ross, I mean, this – they've they've got guys – they've got six guys that can play on most D1 teams. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I what, think – what I think is interesting is everybody's talking about the freshmen, George Petaway, Amon and Hampton, and, of course, we know British Brooks. Um, and Cale Hood was kind of like an exciting freshman last year. But the two guys we interviewed yesterday that were made available for practice were DJ Jones and Elijah Green. Now, Jones has struggled with injuries – but Elijah Green, I've heard, is the fastest running back in that room right now in terms of straight line speed. And DJ Jones looked the part. They're, they're both kind of smaller scat backs. Um, and you forget – you kind of those guys kind of – you forget about them because they haven't done much yet. But no one in that room has really done much yet. So, you know, if you want to – you know, you want to hype up these freshmen because Maron Hampton apparently – and I'm sure you know this, Tommy. And he looks – I mean, he looks like an NFL running back already, 220 – Six one or whatever, and George Petaway comes in with the, the high uh, ranking and, and speed and stuff. But we're forgetting guys like Green and Jones who've been in the system now for, for two years and are kind of ready for their chance too. Um, and both guys seem really sharp. Elijah Green is a former Scoop podcast guest, and so let's not forget those guys. But yeah, I mean, other than Bridge Brooks, I don't know how they're going to decide that. And it's kind of you're going to have to someone. Tra- I think someone's going to have to end up eventually transferring out of that room because. Everybody's young except for Brooks as well. Everybody has at least two years left except for Brooks.
0: Yeah, and you got to – you got to either look in somewhere else to play or another position to play. But, Greg, I mean, they've talked about British Brooks as being the guy. I'm not sold. Um, Mm -hmm. And we talked about it with Jason Staples when we had him on. They're not sold. But good gracious, man. I mean, there have been times – does anybody listen to this podcast remember the Fatbacks back in the day? Um Yeah, that's how far this defense or this uh, running back room has come in 20 years or so. Greg, how do they manage it? Because locker room issues can happen if it's not managed correctly um, because guys want to play.
2: Well, I think British Brooks gives you a lot of things. What British brings you is is leadership. Um, He has proven that on special teams, special teams captain. Uh, The way he really stepped up late last year I think gives you some hope. And kind of sets an expectation. And because he is such a good leader, and this team was was clearly lacking in that. Maybe not in terms of quality, but certainly in quantity. They just didn't have enough guys to, to be good leaders for the team. Um, British fills all of those roles. And he does that specifically in the running back room. So if he's going to be your standard, you could do a lot worse, clearly. Um, are some of the other guys more talented? I don't think there's any question about that. But can they meet that standard that British is setting and then surpass it? And that's the value that British books really brings right now is because, you know, if he needs to be your starter, uh, fine. If he's the starter all year long, uh, I think that raises some questions because there's, there's probably too much talent behind him that should be playing. Um, but I think he's a, he's a guy that can really set the tone in that room that's what they really relied on this off season. So now it's a matter of, all right, who can who can really elevate their play and who can earn playing time? Because as Mac has said, you're really looking at three guys that are going to be able to play. You don't need any more than that. Yeah. And so you got six in there now, um, and there's some talented kids. But who's going to stay healthy? Who's going to do all the small things? Um, who's going to be very good in in pass pro? You know um those those are all the things that add up because as, as mac has said before at this level you know, anybody that's going to play at an acc school can run with the ball in their hands there may be some separation but there's not a whole lot it's really the other stuff that, that really adds up go ahead John. When, I,
3: when i think about the running back room it actually uh, makes me think a little bit about one of my favorite roy williams quotes and it was in the Uh, around 2018 season, he was talking about his four freshman big men, Garrison Brooks, Sterling Manley, Brandon Huffman, and and Walker Miller. And he was joking, of course, so I'm joking as well here. But he said, even if you put all four of those players together, you still wouldn't have a player. And I feel like that's a little bit of what we're talking about (laughs) here with the running backs, where we have uh, on this UNC football team a ton of players with lots of potential, certainly, very talented kids like Marion Hampton and and pet away. But for the first game, when the ball is snapped against Florida A&M, who's going to be the one to sort of step up? Because there's a lot of players with different skill sets, but at the end of the day, you need someone to kind of take the reign of that role. Um, so I really do think in that first game, I think it's going to be British Brooks because of his experience and his, his veteran leadership. He's going to be the one to not make mistakes. But as the season goes along, I'm going to be looking for the person who is able to make one man miss. That's really all you have to do especially at the college level as a running back, is making that one man miss when you're on a one-on-one opportunity with a linebacker or a secondary player. I think that's going to be one of the big storylines throughout the season.
0: What's a or what's a running if you're back? Caleb
2: Hood. If you're Caleb Hood, run over, over. him.
0: Yeah. 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 What's what did Jason Staples say uh a running back's number one job is? Not let the quarterback
3: offense. not let the quarterback get get hit too. So that that matters as well, <laughs> certainly.
1: Yeah, I wonder if yeah, I think John – I mean, John Hill like good points, but, you know, start with Bridge Brooks. And obviously going to play three, like Greg said. I think you're going to go three, at least in the first game. Um, and then, yeah, see who is that next-level player who can who can break off a touchdown run for 20, 30 yards. Who can do that? And, you know, because it seems like all these guys are good enough to, to get you a yard – you know, a couple yards here or there. Who can block and who can be a home run hitter? Um, and, look, in the first couple games, uh, especially Georgia State and um, – 4:00 AM, you know, you know, give all six a shot. Um, see what they do with the lights on and see who can um, be a big time player. I think you have the big guys, British Brooks, uh, Caleb Hood, and Amaron Hampton. You have three kind of smaller guys and pet away DJ Jones and Elijah greens. So you have a versatile um, selection of guys. So it, that's a certainly a, definitely an interesting um, position room and you just don't, you don't want those freshmen to transfer. That's the key. So you want to play those guys enough where they're not transferring. You don't want them to look because dude, those guys are studs, man. They're be like, why am I on the bench? I'm a freaking four star, top fifty kid. Why am I sitting on the bench? And you got to keep that in mind. It's it's politics. That's why we have the best politician <laughs> in the state, Mack Brown, leading the charge, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <I> <laughs> you know, it there. absolutely, hundred percent. You got to keep them happy, and it's different. Um, rotating defensive linemen through. I mean, defensive linemen get a twenty, yeah. get ten, fifteen, twenty snaps a game. They're happy and they're tired. Running, Running backs back, want the ball.
1: You know, they want the ball. They yeah. want to be that bell cow back.
0: I think it'll be one of the younger guys eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Props to to Elijah Green for sticking around. Because if I'm honest, I didn't think he'd stick around, and he stuck around and uh, had a right enjoyable press conference. If our listeners, or watchers didn't yeah. watch it, go check yeah. it out. His dad played in the NFL,
1: good kid, good family. I mean, I think he values education, and you know, maybe this is his year. Maybe he surprises some people, but great kid. Yeah, he was a really good interview, too.
3: Yeah. I want to bring yeah. in one one stat here before we leave the, the running back discussion. This is pro football-focused data, so so caveats apply because it's not the best. But when you look at the run grades for all of the FBS teams last year, the number two run grade in the country was North Carolina. So, that can orient you a little bit around the fact that this was a very successful running offense according to Pro Football Focus. Last year? Yes, last year in 2021, they were ranked, they had the second highest run grade as an offense. So, this was a successful running attack with all its flaws, of course, and it's not the best data, but just that's good to keep in mind that this was a successful running attack last year. A lot of that was due to Ty Chandler, a lot of that was due to Sam Howell. But there's sort of a high bar that this have, this team has to get to in 2022 if they want to maintain that level that they were at last year.
2: Uh, now, look the the stats were pretty clear beyond PFF. <laughs> um, you know, North Carolina was 18th in the country in rushing mm-hmm. yards per game, and they were number eight nationally in yards per carry.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, where were they in 20? Just out of curiosity.
2: Let's see here. In 20, they were number six in yards per carry. And then they were number 11 in rushing offense. So in 2020, they averaged 235 yards per game. It was 212 last year. So, That's and they were number one,
3: number one in pro football focus and run grade in 2020. A lot of that was Javante Williams Dude. and Michael. How Kershaw.
1: awesome was Javante and Michael? That was unbelievable. I mean, I told people we we're never going to see that for another 20 years. That was crazy. Those two
0: guys. That, Miami game. That, remember that? The Miami game is mm. like one of those they need to run that on loop in the keenan football center and, I they, mean, didn't pl- just, and they didn't play they did play against uh texas a&m too soon ross It was a little too <laughs> soon it's kind of like after the miami game do you even remember texas a&m game kind of like duke in the final four in the national championship game where do we want to go next let's think um so let me ask a question greg and it's a question that uh big bodies in the chat asked Special team guys. Carolina's loaded with talent. We don't ever talk about special teams, and we haven't a lot. But British Brooks was that guy for years. What's that guy's logo? What's that guy's profile picture? Uh, don't it look like the devil to me? I don't bring do that profile you. picture yeah. back up, John. <laughs> it's YouTube. It's a public
3: application.
0: <laughs> we wow. <love> all viewers. <laughs> so, so, Greg, uh, you, you know special teams. You talked about there's no porters the whatever the overseer but special teams have been important and have cost carolina some games i think um who where are these guys or some of these running backs going to the special teams uh, rooms i mean how does that going to be managed with all the talent they have can you keep guys happy as a special teamer
2: well i think you use special teams as a proving ground right i mean you say look guys um I don't, Mac doesn't do this, to my knowledge. I know Fedora used to, but if you wanted to start on offense or defense, you had to start on the special teams. You had to earn a starting spot that way first before you could even be considered for offense or defense. And I like that. I you know, Beamer made that popular at Virginia Tech for so long. Um, but it's an opportunity. And if, you, if you're not, if you're not above the line, and in that blue team status where you you're in the rotation to play an offense or defense, you make a name for yourself on special teams. And as you said, British Brooks did that for a long time. Mike Collins and Mike Collins wasn't playing wide receiver early, but he made his name on special teams and became a great wide receiver for uh, Mitch Trubisky. And so I, that's the key. And because North Carolina has finally has good depth, good talented depth, there's a lot of opportunity f- to play. Even if you're not scratching out playing time, you know, at wide receiver or running back or linebacker, um, you know, even defensive end, some of those guys, you can do that on special teams and you can make a name for yourself. And I I think that's how you use special teams. Um, And as you build talent and you keep bringing in all these top recruiting classes, that's just going to filter down to special teams. And it should make that group better. I think special teams was okay last year. They just really didn't have any game changing plays. And as soon as you start adding game changing plays on special teams, whether it be block punts or block kicks or whatever, that's when you can really change the course of a game. And, and Carolina just did not really have that last year.
0: A lot of well, folks well, talk about not wanting downs on special teams. Yeah, I saw that thread. Uh, and and my thing is this Brandon Tate was special teams and was fabulous. Yeah. Um some dude returned to punt against NC State and probably the most cathartic moment in Keenan Stadium in 20 years 30 years why Hell. would you
2: not want Josh Downs returning punts
0: yeah I got
1: a take on that everyone seemed not to want him like that's afraid yeah, lo- it's gonna
0: get hurt, when you that's, can get hurt loser, anywhere.
1: that's loser mentality that's loser <laughs> mentality I wanted to say that on the boards I'll say it in the podcast that's loser mentality if you don't want your best players out there like you, you're not playing to win I mean I get it against maybe a lesser opponent and, now, of course, Conley got hurt against Wofford. I mean, maybe not throw out your, your best players on special teams against Wofford. I don't know. You just can't live with the idea of, of getting injured. That's how you get injured, and that's how you lose games. So, yeah. I mean, I think we all agree on that, that Josh Downs needs to be out there. And, and put your best guy at kick return. Um, yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, Tate got hurt on the kick return, I think, against Notre Dame. But he was a, great at it before that. I mean, you're <laughs> going to get – people going to get hurt. you got to play it, your best players.
1: It's a contact sport, Tommy.
2: No um, – um, no criticism of, of Trace Jones, but if you remember back to the Butch Davis years. Just catch the damn ball. The <laughs> only reason Trace Jones played punt returner is to catch the ball. That was it.
0: Because <laughs> he was literally the only one yeah. that could catch the ball. <laughs> hey, Ross, do a Johnny T-shirt read. Yeah, and let's and get we definitely got, got to mention
1: long snapper Drew Little. He's on the long snapping award winner uh, preseason list. Stud scholarship long snapper. All right, Johnny T-shirt, T-shirt shirt.com. Your one stop shop for everything you need, UNC apparel, tailgates, sweatshirts, t shirts, jerseys, hats, everything you need, Johnny T shirt and JohnnyT shirt.com, right on Franklin Street. And of course, online at JohnnyT shirt.com. They've been our loyal podcast sponsor for countless years now. So we want to, of course, support them, support us, allows us to do these podcasts, Johnny T shirt and JohnnyT shirt.com. If you're getting a new shirt, sweatshirt, gift, all that good stuff, you might as well go to a company that supports local companies like us and podcasts. And uh, so head to Johnny T shirt and giant t shirt.com. Of course, all inside Carolina premium um, subscribers get 10% off their Johnny T shirt order. Go to the tar pit or the UNC basketball message boards to get that 10% off discount code Johnny T shirt and Johnny t shirt.com. Local, alumni owned. Check it out, all you UNC fans. Tommy?
0: that that you know my first purchase ever at johnny t-shirt was a pair of tom cruise ray-ban sunglasses they don't even sell sunglasses anymore i checked last time i was in chapel hill of course it was 30 years ago i think it was like 89 dating myself a little bit ross what were you doing in 1989 ross
1: 1989 i was three three or four let's keep it moving As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, pick six is a must listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts Spotify, the Odyssey app and anywhere podcasts are found.
0: Keep it moving.
3: Uh John wasn't born yet. John wasn't born yet. I was I was like negative eleven or something. Maybe. Oh
0: my God. You were born in ninety eight or something. Yeah.
3: 90,
0: 97. Dude, I was at the Final Four in 97. Get out of here. These, these, y'all, mm. This is how
1: time and age works, Tommy. <laughs> it
0: is. Uh, I, I try to avoid it. Uh, Greg Barnes, offensive line. We've heard a ton about it. Um, Jason and Ingersoll and all talked about how somebody needed to go. Well, somebody went. And now Jack Bicknell's there. How'd those guys look the first couple of days? Like we talked about before, uh, or I guess last week, I wanted to see what they looked like physically. Um, so start there, and, and Slagle's asking about Zach Rice. Man, that kid's a monster already. Uh, but offensive line in general, then break it down.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't see much difference in terms of physique, um, if that's what you're asking. I know Jason has said in the past he's he's worried that maybe they're a little too heavy at times. Um, still big dudes, you know, and we haven't seen them in, in full pads yet, so that kind of changes your perspective a little bit. But still this monster guys. Um, and when you look at somebody like Trevion Green, who's what 6'8, 350, just a, a massive human being, but uh, but he's got good footwork. You know, he he's not he's not a, a lumbering guy, he's he's pretty quick. So I think I think he has a lot of potential. But Zach Rice will smack you in the mouth. Um, and you know, Russell Bodine was like that. There's been a couple guys over the years, kind of like that, Caleb Peterson. Um, but you can just tell they have an edge i mean he was ticked off at halftime they have halftime where they just come and sit and eat snacks and coach told him to sit down and he was like pissed he was just sitting there like you know brewing um which is good but you can see it on the on the playing field uh he, he takes it seriously and uh, he's going to be in the mix to to play a lot i mean he's got the potential to start cuz he, he he looks the part of a kid that's 22 it is, big as he is. And with that mindset, that'll go a long way. And Corey Gaynor is another one. Um, you know, I think because Brian Anderson has been such a good leader for this team, we heard a lot about his competition with, with Gaynor in the off season, but just in talking with people and kind of watching those two practices, it's pretty clear. Gaynor's the guy at center right now. Um, you know, we have seen Ed Montalus. Uh, he, I think he's a nice story because he was able to start early in his career and then had some struggles, faced some adversity, lost his confidence, lost his starting job. Well, now he's back in that position where he's he's the number one guy at left guard. Um, awesome Richards is kind of the same way there at left tackle. And then William Barnes is a guy who really came on last year, and he's in the mix on the right side as well. So um, a lot of names that that we've heard before, some new names with Gaynor and, and Rice and Spencer Rollins, another guy they think is going to be able to work in as a swing tackle. Um, so I think Jack McNeil has some good pieces there. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see You, know, if the new coach really changes things up. Um, but, you know, I, I think there are some good pieces there, and there, there's good depth.
0: Is there a way to tell how good the offensive line is in preseason practice, Ross? Serious question. Uh, Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, how are we going to know?
1: I think we get pads on, which will happen thir- – we got an email about it today, Greg. Are they pushing it back past Thursday? Is that right? No,
2: it's going to be Thursday. It's just going to be the second half of practice on gotcha. Thursday.
1: And so pads come on Thursday. I think you'll tell then. And, look, they're going to go against a really good defensive line, so I think it's a, it's a good chance for, for both those groups. Um, yeah, so it's hard to really know. And They lost three guys, and so you, the inexper- there's some inexperience there, but you know, you're know, you hearing all the, the right things. I think Corey Gaynor was a huge addition. Uh, for UNC at center, they needed that. I know Greg mentioned that, but um, that's the important guy. I think we look back on this season if it is successful, you'll look to, to Corey Gainer, um, his leadership and what he's done, um, kind of man in the middle and providing. You know, he's a fifth-year guy who who's started you know 25, 30 times at Miami. You'll look to that as what um, has helped us, will help off off this offensive line, offensive line be successful. But I would love to see a little more nastiness. There's a lot of nice guys on the offensive line. I'm just talking to him, Ed Montillas, love the guy awesome Richards. are nice guys. I want to see some nastiness, and I think Corey Gaynor kind of brings that.
3: Ross, I like what you said about leadership, because I think that's really core to what I'm looking for, especially in the preseason out of the offensive line. It takes me back a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the 2015 team this offseason, and Landon Turner was a really big part of that 2015 team. He was a guard. Uh, he was an excellent football player, but he was an amazing leader as well. He sort of rallied the troops around the I forget the exact phrase, but let's get this work or something might have been the phrase. You got my back. You got my back. back. That's it. And that was a big sort of rallying cry for the team. So that's something that I'm looking for in 2022 because I think one of the key themes of this offseason as well has been lack of leadership. And it's good to see that Gaynor has sort of stepped up in that leadership role. I also think Brian Anderson is a great leader. I remember him as a freshman. He was like the Energizer bunny running around the field up and down. Uh, supporting his teammates, and at that point he was just a a freshman who didn't see the field at all. So I think he's going to give you a lot of leadership. I think Corey Gaynor can give you a lot of leadership out of that offensive line,
0: uh, out of that room, and I think that will help
3: the offense a lot this season.
0: You mentioned nice guys, Ross. I hadn't met an offensive line that wasn't a nasty SOB, at least while they were playing. And I'm serious, even with the ones that we know that we talk to on a regular basis, those dudes were some of the meanest dudes. I mean, I remember a couple on recruiting trips when I was at Carolina um, that I, I thought we were all getting arrested because they were just mean as hornets out there. So that's an interesting take about dudes being nice guys. I mean, I understand the field's different. Look,
1: yeah, they may be, you know, they're, they're very polite and nice with us, which, which we appreciate, but you want that kind of attitude. Like Corey Gaynor doesn't speak to the media. try to get him. And we've been told that he just doesn't do media. And as much as we want to talk to him, you got the guys, you know, focused, you know, blinders on doesn't want to deal with idiots like us. So, uh, you know, that kind of mentality.
2: Yeah. And look, um, I think Ross is right, Tommy, because I mean, even if you go back, you know, 10, 15 years ago to like say Ingersoll, you know, whenever you talk to Ingersoll, polite, well-spoken, all those things, the dude had an edge to him. And a lot of his teammates did too. Um, Russell Bodine, you know, when you, you talk to him, you wanted to make sure you didn't tick him off. Um, and there's you know, Caleb Peterson was the same way, and there's just been a number of, of guys. Um, and I don't know if it's you know, you know, old man shouting in the cloud, and you know, things have changed over the years, <laughs> but there's just been a lot of like nicer individuals. Um, and I don't know that that means anything, um, but. You know, you, you could watch the offensive line play the last couple of years and say, you know, it'd be nice to have somebody in there that's that's willing to, you know, not take a cheap shot, but willing to stand up very quickly if something doesn't happen the way it should happen. Um, and I think that, you know, that attitude has been lacking a little bit. To Ross's point, I think with Gaynor and, and with Rice, those are two guys where it, it's pretty clear that they've, they have an edge.
1: You could be nice and still be a, a very, very good player and ferocious player. Sure. They're not. You can. They're not definitely. You know, not connected there. Sorry.
0: No. What is a? Who's the leader then? Who Who is, is Gainer? Gainer the leader. It's is, is, is Rice the apprentice?
2: I think Rice because he's so young. He's going to lead by example. I mean, he's not going to be that vocal guy quite yet. There's too many older guys ahead of him. Um, but Gainer can be that guy. Gainer he clearly has the the number of people who have talked about. He's really stepped in and, and proven he could be a leader already. Um, it's, it's been a little bit surprising. I mean, not yeah. that he's capable of that, but just the fact that he did it so quickly.
1: I think this offense line is so important, though, because you're you're working in a first year quarterback too. We're not really talking about that. Like that's critical. You got to protect him, give him time. They need the running game to be successful. They need to have some holes. you need to get some easy yards on the ground. So the offense line is key. And we've mentioned that, but it's just for a first year quarterback. It's critical that the offensive line is there and has his back and is protecting him, allowing, you know, especially this first couple of games to kind of get his feet wet. So it's important. And they lost three starters, and these, these guys are young. Like like some of these starters, some of the guys that will start may not have played very much. William Barnes may start, and he hasn't played a lot. Ed Montillas is pretty experienced. Austin Richards is kind of the veteran. Um, but outside that, you know, if Zach Rice starts, you know, he's going to have some issues early on.
2: Yeah, and Tommy, you mentioned earlier about what we were saying about the defensive line last year. Well, we were asking the offensive line point blank last year, you know, because you've got some young guys at other positions and you know you have to protect Sam Howe, this is the time for them to really step up, especially early in the season, and it didn't happen. Um, and then you kind of go back to <laughs> you know the, the John Bunning days, right, and I guess it was 2003 season. And people said, "Well, the good news is, is that everybody's back." The bad, the bad news, news is, is everybody's <laughs> back. Right? so uh, new blood's not necessarily a, a bad thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if well, I'm not going there. But yeah, those were some fun times covering Carolina football. Um, Do we wanna, you want
1: you want to talk about quarterbacks real quick, Tommy?
0: I'm going there. That's that's okay. the segue. So take it. I mean, everybody keeps asking about Connor Harrell. I I, I think the news. Um, of how he has been is great for Carolina. I think it bodes well for the future. I don't see him getting a major role um or meaningful snaps this year. Ross, start the discussion. I'm going to go Drake and, and Jacoby.
1: I'm going to ask Greg this, has your opinion changed on who you think starts based on what we heard from Mac after the first day of practice and what you've seen the last the two practices we able to watch.
2: No, but I'll say this. Do so you think it's um,
1: Jacoby? You think Jacoby is still going to take the first snap? Is that is that what you're sticking with. Uh, I
2: mean, <laughs> you on the spot. at this point, probably, okay. but I, um, uh, I haven't been as, as, impressed with Drake or Jacoby in the first two practices we watched as I was in the spring. And maybe that's, you know, just because the defense is supposed to be making, you know, a little bit more challenging for them, even though they're not quite in pad yet. Um, but they just weren't quite as accurate or on point. The first two practices, as I, I remember them being in the spring. um, so I think I think that battle probably still has a ways to go, but I will say Connor Harrell. Uh, it is hard not to like that kid. I mean he he had that pass late, uh, Antoine Green that forty yarder that he threw. I mean he's got a huge arm,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: just a great athlete. Moves very easily. Um, bright future ahead for that kid. You know, he's still raw. I don't I don't know that he's going to really play any this year. Um, I know he gets four games and so maybe they can work him in at the very end of A&M, but that's one of those things you want to see as much playing time for Chris Well and May as you can. So do you take away live snaps in that opener just to give Connor Harrell some run? I don't, know, I don't know that you do. So I think his playing time will be very minimal, but I think the kid has a ton of potential.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm going to defer to Greg on kind of like, you know, picking apart the quarterbacks. Um, but one thing I think was interesting was how Mac handled the questions on Friday. You know, it seemed like they were going to name a star- starter. That's how it came off. They're going to name a starter, you know, 10 days before the game. <coughs> Excuse me. Like, it's going to be like it was with Sam Howe. They're going to name someone. They're going to let them speak to the media. And they're going to give them the full, you know, eight or nine, seven days to, to work with the team as number one guy. Which, you know. They Did they do
0: that with that. Sam? I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, Mac said that he said, We're, we would like to do it like we did with Sam. We're going to maybe give you all a chance to talk to all the quarterbacks, or maybe just when he is named the quarterback, he will talk to you and then he'll get the full eight days of prep or 10 days of prep. So that's what he said. But if they don't separate, they obviously wouldn't do that. That's what they would want. I asked him directly. I said, in an ideal world, how do you see this going? How would you like to name a quarterback? And that's what he said. Yeah. So look, that, that was interesting to me.
2: No, I agree. And I, Part of that is that Max kind of like, you, do you wait until like you? Because Larry Fedora would wait until game day if he if he could. Um, but Max's point is there's a lot of hoopla surrounding a starting quarterback, and so with how when they knew he was the guy, they wanted him to have that weight of public opinion and the spotlight on him, so he could get used to it for a week or ten days or whatever it was, and it worked out well. So I think they're kind of thinking the same thing. You know, the expectation throughout the off was that Drake May was probably going to be the guy, um, but that it was very close, and that Drake had to continue to get better and make strides to be able to win the position in training camp. Um, it was too early in camp to kind of figure it out, but that's that's kind of where things were looking. Um, I think Chriswell, being the veteran, uh, I think he's impressed him. You know, he Drake May was from everything we heard was a little bit ahead of Chriswell last year. I mean, I think Chris has closed the gap. So I don't know if it's even quite yet or right now, um, but I think it's probably closer than they were expecting you know, maybe last fall.
0: What is interesting about that is it, we talked about it when it was Howell or Rooter or Fortin. That if it's close, it's got to be Sam Howell. It's Mike Brown's guy. Um, it's got to be the local recruit and all that stuff. And here we are with a very similar situation, even though the guys have some experience. I did find it interesting, Ross, that Max said it's not like they're going to be doing different things. They're going to be doing the same stuff, so there's no point in trotting out a guy and hiding it all week um, to Florida A&M because it's going to be the same. It's just going to be a different dude back there running the exact same stuff. Anyway, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, but I think we'll learn a lot more, and and the coaches will learn a lot more when you get the pads on, you get a guy evading a 300-pounder, you get them taking sacks. Obviously, they're going to be wearing, you know, the, the green jerseys, whatever they wear. But when those live bullets coming, I think you you see a lot more separation when that happens. They're going to throw everything they can at them to see who handles the heat, who who, who can you know handle it underneath the lights, and that's when they'll be able to make a better decision. I think you know everyone's really accurate when you're you're not being touched and and it's not really full contact. So pads go on Thursday. We'll see them on Monday uh, half of that practice, and we'll talk to you again on the beat
0: on Tuesday. Yep, indeed. And let me make the point about this. Somebody asked, Slagle, man, you're hardcore. <laughs> is there a concern about the loser of the quarterback position going somewhere? There's always a yeah. the concern, and yeah. that's why I say Connor Harold is so important.
1: Yeah, this is the interesting part of, of college football these days. I think it's certainly a thing. So if they think that maybe Drake has a higher ceiling in the next couple years, is that the guy you play? Because, you know – Jacoby's a redshirt sophomore so he has sophomore junior senior year plus the covid year if he wants it i believe um drake i don't think has the covid year but it doesn't matter i mean one of those guys you're kind of picking your quarterback for the next two to three years now you could have a battle again but you're kind of i i wrote that in a preview that you're kind of picking the guy for the next two to three years not just the guy for this year that's why it's so important i don't know if, if y'all have any different opinion on that but i think a guy would i think a a guy like Criswell would, would definitely transfer if he wasn't picked, in my opinion. Greg, nice what do you think about that?
2: It is an interesting conversation, um, and it would make sense because, you know, with Drake being the younger guy, it's an uphill battle for, for Criswell in that situation. Um, you know, there, there's more to it than just playing time. I mean, you know, there, there's academics which are important. Um, there's camaraderie there's the locker room all those kind of things that you know, bind people to, to universities and to programs but as you as you mentioned there Ross I mean this is a new age and with NIL and the transfer portal and all those things um I think it's really coaches have to figure out what they're comfortable with in terms of handling that um My job is not on the line. I'm not making millions of dollars. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, you know what? Screw them. If they want to leave, let them. It's fine. We'll bring somebody else in, whether it be a recruit or bring somebody in in the transfer portal to make sure you have enough bodies. Easier said than done because you got to make sure you get the right guy and make sure he's a good fit. And, you know, if it's a young guy who has a lot of talent, you got to coach him up. Not everybody's a Sam Howe who picks it up very quickly. So there's a lot of different components, but I think the coaches have to figure out what's our strategy. Are we okay with, with being honest with guys and therefore somebody may leave? And I think that also gets back to the point of, you know, Mac has really made it critical that they, they recruit within this footprint. So there are your ties to this area. Um, and that's where you start recruiting guys from up north or, or on the west coast. If they're not playing – it's pretty easy for them to say, all right, we'll see you later. I'm going home. But if the guy's, you know, two hours down the road, it's kind of a different story.
3: Yeah, you start to get into a really dangerous territory when you start to think too much about off-the-field stuff when you're determining playing time, especially at the quarterback position, which is, it's just, as we all know, is such a critical position. So I think you just sort of make a decision who gives us the best chance to win at the beginning of the 2022 season And you sort of let all the other stuff sort itself out, because if you start trying to play game theory and, you know, if I play this guy, he will or won't transfer, that's a dangerous spot. And you start to kind of get away from being a football coach and you become sort of a general manager. So you have to trust, too, that your program is built the right way, that Mac Brown and Sally Brown are building a program that players want to be a part of. You put the best players on the field who you think are going to win football games and and the rest sort of sorts itself out.
0: I agree. Rapid-fire question right here, and then we're going to get to uh, the end of this show. What position can the Heels least afford injuries? Chris Phillips asked that on the YouTube chat. Ross, it's got to be defensive backs,
1: right? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I would go wide receiver almost. I would too. I think if you lose Downs or Green, you're significantly hampered. Yep. I mean, because if you lose Downs, I mean, you lose your best offensive weapon, your best offensive player, and that's a huge part of your whole entire offense, I think. And then Green too, and, and then you're then you're down to just some really really inexperienced guys. Greg, what would you be, what would be your second choice? Or you can elaborate on mine, I guess.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe safeties, um, just because you know, you're curious, is coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. We won't know if he's 100 percent really probably until October. Um, And there's just not a lot of proven guys. Cam Kelly struggled a good bit last year. He had some good games and had some bad games. And yet he's penciled in as a starter right now. So um, I think think there's a um, darth of of talent at safety once you get past Conley and and Biggers and Kelly. Um, And so those guys have to stay healthy and they need some of the younger guys to really step up. So I don't think you can afford injuries really anywhere in the secondary, but especially at, at safety.
3: My answer, think, oh, is, birth is linebacker. I think they're very thin, mm-hmm. especially and just in terms of, of bodies. they do, yeah, yeah, guys, you know, yeah, they do not wise, have many yeah. people. They've been decimated by medical retirements and by transfers. Eugene Asante, Ethan West. So, I think that's my answer. UNC needs Cedric Gray and some of their linebackers to stay healthy for the whole season.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if you lose Cedric Gray, I think that's we haven't talked about linebackers, but that's that'd be a huge hit. I mean, he is your mm-hmm. your linebacker there, your leader. Your, your leading returning tackle so then you turn to rah-rah and, and power and, and sebastian mm-hmm. cheeks is that remember somebody? oh and then, yeah. um, the freshman yeah other freshman
0: yep Deuce. what's the best yep. availability is, uh, the best uh, ability is availability carolina has got to stay healthy we've seen carolina football get decimated with injuries um and derail a lot of a lot of good stuff to quote ross martin on the scoop podcast look this is on the beat I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, that's John, that's Ross, and Greg Barnes. Greg, is this like officially your last on the beat as an on the beat podcaster guest?
2: I think I have one more.
0: So next, next week, we we'll throw a party yeah. next week. Mm, yeah. okay. okay. Now, Gre-
1: Greg, what is going to be, do you want to tell listeners kind of what you're going to be doing? Do you do you know what you're going to be doing as kind of the step back role at, at all?
2: Not not yet. We're we're uh having some conversations about that. So hopefully next week on on the beat I can share some of those details. But we are uh we're we're in conversation mode. I don't want to step on Adam Smith's toes. So um Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get, know if
1: it Good.
2: I was gonna say he's gotta get settled into the role and then uh I can I can assist wherever.
1: Well, I didn't know if you're going to be on like one podcast a week or if it's going to be something where like a special podcast or just long form. I was just, I was curious, honestly, as to yeah, how you saw a podcast roll going.
0: Uh, He's staying with me. He's not going anywhere else. <laughs> We're going to get that figured out one way or another. If we have to talk about golf and somebody asked how much did the live tour offer you to leave inside Carolina? Was it 700 million?
2: It was, yeah, it was $15,000. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It uh some interesting changes coming to inside Carolina, but Greg mentioned Adam Smith. He comes to us. Um, he's been on the beat forever. Um, you know, covering from a different angle. Uh, but he'll be with inside Carolina starting next week. Uh, it's gonna be a fun time. A challenging season coming up. It gets a little hectic this time of year, doesn't it, boys? Uh, life changes a little bit. No more uh, no more cross country hikes or, or country mountain hikes, Ross. Tell yeah, us about I mean, your injury. What, what What's the scoop on Ross Martins? Somebody yeah, said, I heard that Ross tore a peck in Don's man cave. Or Martin's yeah, man Let's get some answers, Ross. We're putting yeah. you on the spot here.
1: I tore the peck on a bench press. Um, so not in Don's man tower. Uh, yeah, I had my two-week appointment last week, and I'm starting PT tomorrow morning, actually. I'm starting physical therapy tomorrow at 8.00 in Carborough, So excited to get back. I'm getting a little mobility back, but I'm still, not, I'm not trying to like force it at all. Cause I want this thing to heal properly. This, it sucks, man. It is a serious injury. The doctor said, I mean, I don't know if your kids are listening. Let me close their ears, but the doctor said he cut me open, reached in and pulled my muscle out. It was completely torn off my bone and it was like complete tear. He said like, man, I was, it was crazy. And they reattached the ligament and the bone and the, and the muscle to my bone. So it's been crazy. I've never been injured like this. So it's been so. How much adjustment. weight
0: were you listing? Let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. How much weight was 350. On the 350. That's why you tore it, man. You only weigh like 125, don't nah, you? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It was,
1: it was a lot less than that. No, I weigh 225, Tom. Tommy. Good gracious. That's I'm six, impressive. 6'5. I'm yeah, We've but got, I'm a little. got another I'm...
3: good comment here. Ross, was it reaching for a vegan nacho? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it's a reference to Don's nachos when he loaded up a pound of beans and a pound
0: of beef on those nachos. That's funny. Hey, I um, went to his Super Bowl party. He had meat on those nachos when I was there. Oh, no, yeah, have been he did. A, yeah. I he think must it have been little, the fancy stuff when I showed up. There's a little reference to the nachos there we had. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to miss Greg. I mean, little insight.
1: We're, I mean, it is a crazy time. Like you said, Tommy, we're adding Adam. I don't know. We can talk. We added two interns. You're training these interns. This is on the B. We'll talk about the B a little bit. We're training two new interns, a role that John had. So um, it's been definitely been a busy July into August here with this transition. And meanwhile, we're covering camp too. So we're onboarding a lot of people, and um, it's been sure and behind the scenes has been has been I, unbelievably busy trying to get people up to speed on everything we're doing because it's not it's not easy to to train people on these different roles we have.
0: Yep. Yeah, ben and Buck. Um certainly um Ben hands on Buck making things happen. I mean Inside Carolina is it's kind of like when you look at a duck. It looks cool on top. Yeah. Underneath them feet of work and that is Inside Carolina. That is Ben Sherman making everything <laughs> run. Right. Boys, it's been fun.
2: Yep. Enjoyed it. Yep, as
0: Ross, always. appreciate you coming on. People it, it seemed like the Ross Martin <laughs> chat over there. So we'll have to we'll have to work something out. And producer John, you're always the man. Uh appreciate folks listening. We had a couple hundred, couple hundred, close to three hundred people in here. It'll ramp up as the season gets closer, but we'll be back next Tuesday night, nine o'clock. Who will be the guest? We'll have to figure it out. Thanks, boys.